Heart of the World by H. Ryder Haggard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 3 The Summons. As I walked down the street of the village, I met my friend with whom I had stayed when first I came to Kumarvo. "'Ah, Lord,' he said, "'for those who are initiated among the Indians "'give me this title when none are by. "'I was seeking you. "'The scroll has been found.' "'What scroll?' "'The, the, the picture-writing about the ancient mine "'which brought you here. "'You remember that he who owned the document died "'and his son could not discover its whereabouts? "'Well, yesterday he found it by chance "'while he was hunting rats in the roof of his house "'and brought it to me. Here it is.' "'And he gave me a roll wrapped in yellow linen. "'Good,' I answered. "'I will study it to-night.' "'And continued my walk, thinking little more about the matter, "'for my mind was full of other things. "'The air was pleasant and the evening fine, "'so that I did not return to the house till the moon rose.' As I passed up the path, a man stepped so suddenly from the shelter of a bush in front of me that I drew my machete, thinking that he meant to do me mischief. "'Stay your hand, Lord,' said the man, saluting me humbly, and at the same time giving the sign of brotherhood. "'It is many years since we met, so perchance you may have forgotten me. Still you will remember my name. I am Molas.' your foster brother. Then I looked at him in the moonlight and knew him, though time had changed us both, and putting my arms round him I embraced him, seeing that he had been faithful when many deserted me, and I loved him as today I love his memory. What brings you here, Molas? I asked. When last I heard of you, you were dwelling far away in Chiapas. A strange matter. "'Business of the heart, O Lord of the heart, "'which I deem so pressing that I have journeyed over land and sea to find you. "'Have you a place where I can speak with you alone?' "'Follow me,' I said, wondering, and led him to my own chamber, "'where I gave him food and drink, for he was weary with travel. "'Now set out this business,' I said. First, show me the token, Lord.' I desire to see it once more for a purpose of my own. I rose and closed the shutters of the window. Then I bared my breast, revealing the ancient symbol. For a while he gazed upon it and said, It is enough. Tell me, Lord, what is the saying that has descended with this trinket? The saying is, Molas, that when this half that I wear is reunited with the half that is wanting, then the Indians shall rule again from sea to sea as they did when the heart was whole. That is the saying, Lord. We learn it in the ritual that is called opening of the heart, do we not? And in this ritual that half which you wear is named day, since it can be seen and the half which is lost is named night, since, though present, it is not seen, and it is told to us that day and the night together will make one perfect circle 
wherefore the centre is named Heart of Heaven, of which these things are the symbol. Is it not so? It is so, Molas. Good. Now listen. That which was lost is found. The half which is named Night has appeared in the land, for I have seen it with my eyes, and it is to tell you of it that I have traveled hither. Speak on, I said. Lord, yonder in Chiapas there is a ruined temple that the Antiguos built, and to that temple have come a man and a woman, his daughter. The man is old and fierce-eyed, a terrible man, and the girl is beautiful exceedingly. There in the ruins they have dwelt these four months or more, and the man practices the art of medicine, for he is a great doctor, and has wrought many cures, though he takes no money in payment for his skill, but food only. Now it chanced, Lord, that my wife, whom I married but two years ago, was very sick, so sick that the village doctor could do nothing for her. Therefore the fame of the old Indian who dwelt in the ruined temple, having reached me, I determined to visit him and seek his counsel, or, if possible, uh, to bring him to my home. When my wife heard of it, she said it was of no use, as she saw death sitting at the foot of the bed. Still I kissed her and went, leaving her in charge of the padre of the village, and some woman, her sisters. With me I took a lock of her hair and some fowls and eggs as a present to the Lacondone, for they said that, though of our race, this doctor was not a Christian. Starting before dawn, I traveled all day by the river and through the forest, till at evening I came to the ruined temple which I knew, and began to climb its broken stair. As I neared the top, a man appeared from beneath the leaning arch that is the gateway of the stair, and stood gazing at the ball of the setting sun. He was an aged man, clad in a linen robe only, very light in color, with long white beard and hair, a nose hooked like a hawk's beak, and fierce eyes that seemed to pierce those he looked upon, and to read their most secret thoughts. "'Greeting, brother,' he said, speaking in our own tongue, but with a strange accent, and using many words which are unknown to me. "'What brings you here?' Then he looked at me a, a while, and asked slowly, "'Say, brother, are you sick at heart?' Now, Lord, when I heard those words, wherefore you know the meaning, I was so astounded that I almost fall backwards down the ruined stair, but recovering myself, I tried him with a sign, and, lo, he answered it. Then I tried him with the second sign, and the third, and the fourth, and so on, up to the twelfth, and he answered them all, though not always as we use them. Then I paused. He said, You have passed the door of the sanctuary, enter, brother, and draw on to the altar. But I shook my head, for I could not. Next he tried me with various signs and strange words that have to do with the inmost mysteries, but I was not able to answer them, though at times I saw their drift. You have some knowledge, he said, yet you do 
but stand at the foot of the pyramid, whereas I watch the stairs from the crest, warming my hands at the eternal fire. Uh, none of my order have more, Lord, I answered, save the very highest. Then there are higher in the land, he asked eagerly, but started suddenly and looked round, went on without waiting for an answer. You are in sorrow, child of the heart, and have come from one who is sick to the, this death, uh, to your business, and perchance we will speak of these matters afterwards. First, Lord, I said, I have brought an offering, and I set down the basket at his feet. Gifts are good between brethren, he replied. Moreover, in this barren place food is welcome. Come hither, daughter, and take what this stranger brings. As he spoke, a lady came forward through the archway, dressed like her father, in a white robe of fine fabric, but somewhat worn. I looked at her, and it is truth, Lord, that for the second time I went near falling, for so great was the loveliness of this girl that my heart turned to water within me. Never before had I seen or even dreamed of such beauty in a woman. To your tale, Molas, to your tale. What has the fashion of a woman's beauty to do with the business of the heart? I broke in angrily. I do not know, Lord, he answered. And yet... I think that it has to do with all earthly things. Then he continued. The lady whose name was Maya looked at me carelessly and took the basket. Following her through the archway to the terrace beyond, I set out the matter of my wife's illness to the doctor, or rather to him who passes as a doctor and who is named Zibalbe, or Watcher praying that he would come to the village and minister to her. He listened in silence, then took the lock of her hair that I had brought with me, and going to a fire that burned nearby, he laid some of the hair upon an ember and watched, watched it as it writhed and shriveled away. "'It would be of little use, brother,' he said sadly, "'seeing that your wife is now dead.' I felt her spirit pass us as we talked together in the gateway. Still, until I burnt the hair, I did not know whether it was she who went by or another. Here I may tell you, Lord, that, as I found afterwards, my wife departed at that very hour of sunset, though whether the doctor Zibalbe guessed that she must die then from the symptoms which I described to him, or whether he has the spirit's sight and saw her, I do not know. Still, it seems natural that at that moment of her passing she should come to bid farewell to the husband whom she loved, though I think it is a bad omen for me, and I pray that I may never see that place again. At the least, when I heard him speak thus, I did not doubt his truth, for something within me confirmed it but I hid my face and groaned aloud in the bitterness of my grief. Then, taking my hand, Zibalbe, the watcher, spoke great words to me in a solemn voice that seemed to soothe me as the song of a mother soothes a restless child, for he talked with certainty as one who has knowledge and vision of those who have gone beyond, 
telling me that this parting was not for long, and that soon I should find her whom I had lost, made glorious and folded close to the heart of heaven. Then he laid his hand upon my head, and I slept a while, to wake, sad indeed, but filled with a strange peace. Food is ready, my brother, said Zibalbe. Eat and rest here this night. Tomorrow you can return. Now when we had eaten, Zibalbe spoke to me in the presence of his daughter, who, though a woman, is also of the order, saying, You are of our brotherhood, therefore the words I speak will be repeated to none who are not brethren, for I speak upon the heart. I hear with the ears, Lord, I answered. Listen, he went on. I come from far with this maiden, my daughter, and we are not what we seem, but who and what we are now is not the hour to tell. This is the purpose of our coming, to find that which is one but divided, that which is not lost but hidden. Perchance, brother, you can point the path to it, and he paused and looked at me with his piercing eyes. Now, Lord, I understand what his words had reference, for are they not part of the ritual of the service, opening of the heart? Still, because I desired to be sure and not commit myself, I picked up a piece of burnt wood, and as though an idolus bent down, and by the light of the fire I drew the half of the heart with a saw-like edge upon the pavement of the chamber where we sat. Then I handed the stick to Zibalbe, who took it and passed it to his daughter, saying, I have no skill at such arts. Finish it, Maya. She smiled, and kneeling down, traced the half of the face within the outline that I had drawn, saying, Is it enough, or do you need the writing also? It is enough, I answered. Now, Lord, what do you desire? I desire to know where that which is hidden can be brought to light, and if it dwells in this land, for I have journeyed far to seek it. It dwells here, I answered, for I have beheld it with my eyes, and he guards it, whom is its keeper. Can you lead me to him, brother? No, for I have no such commands. But perhaps I can bring him to you, though I must journey by sea and land to find him, that is, if he wills to come. Say, what message shall I give, that a stranger whom I have met desires to look upon the holy symbol? It will scarcely bring him so far. Nay, tell him that the hour is come for night and day to be joined together, that a new sun may shine in a new sky. I can tell him this, but will he believe it, seeing that I have no proof? Will he not rather think that some cunning stranger and false brother lays a plot to trap him? Give him proofs, lords, or I do not start upon this errand. Will he believe that which you have seen with your eyes? He will believe it, for he has trusted me from childhood. Then look, said the man, and opening his robe at his neck, he kneeled down in the light of the fire. 
There, Lord, upon his breast hung that which has been hidden from our sight since the sons of Quetzal, the god, ruled in the land, the counterpart of the severed symbol which is upon your breast. That is all my story, Lord. Now I, Ignacio, listened amazed, for the thing was marvelous. Did the man send me no further message, I asked? None, he said, that if you were the true keeper of the mystery, you would come to learn his mission from himself or bring him to you. And did you tell him anything of me and my history, Molas? Nothing. I had no such a command. On the morrow at dawn I left to bury my wife, if she were dead, or to nurse her if she still were sick, saying that so soon as might be I would travel to the city of Mexico to seek out the keeper of the heart and give him this tidings, and that within eight weeks or less I trusted to report how I had feared. The old man asked me if I had money, and without waiting to be answered he gave me two handfuls of lumps of molded gold from a hide bag, wherefore each lump was stamped with the symbol of the heart. Let me see one, I said. Alas, my lord Ignatius, I have none, not far from the ruined temple where this Zibalbe and his daughters sojourned, is the hacienda of Santa Cruz, and there, as you may have heard, dwell a gang of men under the leadership of one Don Pedro Moreno, who are by profession smugglers, highway robbers, and murderers, though they pretend to earn a living by the cultivation of coffee and cocoa. As it chanced in journeying homeward, I fell into the hands of some of these men. They searched me, and finding the lumps of gold in my pocket, handed them over to Don Pedro himself, who rode up when he saw that they had the, the fish in their net. He examined the gold closely and asked me whence it came. At first I refused to answer, whereupon he said that I should be confined in a dungeon at the hacienda until such time as I chose to speak. Then, being mad to get back to my village and learn the fate of my wife, I found my tongue and spoke the truth saying that the gold was given in exchange for food by an old Indian doctor who dwelt with his daughter in the ruined temple in the forest. "'Mother of heaven,' said Don Pedro, "'I have heard of this man before, but now I know the kind of merchandise in which he trades. I think that I must pay him a visit and learn what mint it was stamped at.' Then, having plucked me bare as a fowl for the oven, they let me go without hurt, but often I have sorrowed because in my hour of haste and need I told them whence the gold came, since I fear lest I should have let loose these villains upon the old wanderer and his daughter, and in that case they may well be murdered before ever you can reach them. Doubtless heaven will protect them, I answered though you acted foolishly. But tell me, Molas, how did you find me out and come here without money? I had some money at home, Lord, and when I had buried my wife, I traveled to Frontera on the coast where I found a ship bound for Veracruz, and in her I sailed, giving my service as a sailor, which is a trade that I have followed. 
From Veracruz I made my way to Mexico and reported myself to the head of the Brotherhood in that city, who, as I expected, was able to give me tidings of you. Then I came on to this village and arrived here tonight, having been a month and two days on my journey, and now, Lord, if you can, give me a place to sleep in since I am weary, who for three days have scarcely shut my eyes. Tomorrow you can let me know what answer I must bear to the old man Zibalbe. I, Ignatio, sat late that night pondering over these tidings which filled me with a strange hope. Could it be that my hour of success was at hand after so many years of waiting? If there were truth in prophecies, it would seem so, and yet my faith wavered. This traveler whom Molas had seen might be a madman, and his symbol might be forged. I could not tell. But at least I would put the matter to the proof for tomorrow, or so soon as was possible, I would journey down to Chiapas and seek him out. Thinking thus, I threw myself upon my bed and strove to sleep, but could not. Then, remembering the scroll that my friend had given me, I rose, purporting to change my thoughts and studying it and to win sleep. It was a hard task, but at length I mastered its meaning and found that it dealt with a mine near Kumarvo, and described the exact position of the mouth of the tunnel. This mouth, it would appear, had been closed up in the reign of Guatimoc, and the scroll was written by the Kachike, who had charge of the mine in those days, in order that a record might remain that would enable his descendants to reopen it, should a time come when the Spaniards were driven from the land. That the mine was very rich in free gold was shown by the weights of pure metal stated in this scroll to have been sent year by year to the court of Montezuma by this Cachique, and also by the fact that it was thought worth hiding from the Spaniards. Early on the morrow I went to the room of the Signor Strickland and spoke to him with a heavy heart. Signor, I said, you will remember that when I entered your service I told you that I might have to leave at any moment. Now I am here to say that that time has come, for a messenger has arrived to summon me to the other end of Mexico upon business of which I may not speak, and tomorrow I must start upon the journey. I am sorry to hear it, Ignacio, he answered, for you have been a good friend to me. Still, you do well to separate your fortune from those of an unlucky man. And you, senor, do ill to speak thus of me, I answered with indignation. Still, I forgive you, because I know that at times, when the heart is sore, the mouth utters words that are not meant. Listen, senor, when you have eaten your breakfast, will you take a ride with me? Certainly, if you like, but whither do you wish to ride? to another mine that is, or should be, about two hours on horseback from here, in a valley at the foot of yonder peak. I only heard of it last night, though I came to Cumervo to seek it, and it would seem that it is very rich in Montezuma's day. In Montezuma's day, he said. Yes, it was last worked then, and I propose that 
if we can find it, and it looks well that you should denounce it for yourself, giving a reward of a few dollars to the Indian from whom I had the information, who is a poor man. But if it is so good, why don't you denounce, uh, denounce it, Ignacio? And how did you come to hear about it after all these years? For two reasons, senor. First, because I wish to do you a service, if it is in my humble power. Secondly, because I cannot look after it and must leave you, though to do so will be a true grief to me, for, if you will permit me to say it, never have I met a man for whom I conceived a greater respect and affection. Perhaps if I return again you will give me a share in the profits, so that we may grow rich together. Now I will show you how I came to hear of the mine. Then I fetched the scroll with the translation that I had made and read it to him. He listened eagerly, for, like yourself, Signor Jones, your countryman, James Strickland, loved adventure in all things that have to do with the past of this ancient land. Let us go at once, he said when I finished. I will order the horses and a mule with the prospecting kit uh, to get ready. Uh, shall we take men with us? I think not, Signor. The mine is not yet found, and the less talk there is about it, the better. For if the matter is noised abroad, somebody may be before you in denouncing it. The messenger who came to see me last night is a trusty man, but he is weary with journeying and rests, so we will go alone. An hour later we were riding among the mountains, I having left a message for Molas to say that I should return before dark. The trail which we were following was a difficult one, and ran for some miles along the edge of a precipice till it reached the crest of the range. Indeed, so bad was it in parts that we were forced to dismount and drive the horses and mule before us while we followed, clinging to the ferns and creepers on the rocks to keep ourselves from falling. At length we came to the summit of the range and turned downwards through a forest of oak and fir trees, heading for a valley that lay at the base of a solitary mountain peak along which ran a stream. Down this stream we rode a mile or more since I was searching for a certain pointed rock that was mentioned in the scroll as standing by itself on the slope of a mountain where no trees grew beneath which should be the glen where in the days of Guatemoc was a great Seba tree that, so said the writing, overshadowed the mouth of the mine. Riding up through the dense grove of oaks, we came presently to the glen that lay just below the slope whereupon stood the tall rock. This must be the place, I said, but I see no Seba tree. Oh, doubtless it has fallen and rotted since those days, answered Signor Strickland. Let us tether the horses and search. This we did, and the hunt was long, for here grasses and ferns grew thick, but at length I discovered a spot where the trunk of a very ancient tree had decayed in the ground, so that nothing remained except the outline of its circle and some of the larger roots. Round about these roots we sought desperately for an hour or more, but without avail. 
At length my companion grew weary of this sport and went to pull up a small grassy-leaved palm that he had discovered, proposing to take it home and set it in his garden, for he was a great lover of plants and flowers. While he was thus engaged, I toiled amongst the grasses, looking for the mouth of the mine, which, as I began to think, was lost forever. Suddenly he called out, "'Come here, Ignatio!' Beneath the roots of this palm is refuse rock that has been broken with hammers. I believe this must have been the platform in front of the mine. One can see that the ground was flat here. I came to him, and together we renewed our search, till at length, by good luck, we discovered a hole immediately beneath the rock large enough for a man to creep into. Was this made by a coyote? "'Or is it the mouth of the mine?' the Signor asked. "'That we can only find out by entering it,' I answered. "'Doubtless when they shut down the mine, "'the Antiguas would have left some such place as this "'to ventilate the workings. "'Bring the pickaxe, Signor, and we will soon see.' "'For ten minutes or more we laboured, "'working in solid ground with pick and spade, "'till we bared the side of the tunnel which I examined.' "'There is no need to trouble farther,' I said. "'This rock has been cut with copper chisels, "'and here is the green of the copper. "'Without doubt we have found the mouth of the mine. "'Now give me the hammer and candles, "'and bring the leather bag for samples, and we will enter.'" End of chapter 3